Hey, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. These topics are interesting to me because they are at my core, how I can kind of gauge how my life is going. And I'm on this journey to get better, guys. I'm no expert at anything, but I do enjoy great conversations like I get to share with you on Saturdays. I love tinkering with gear, tinkering with mindset, sharing stories, and having just good conversation, putting good information out there. So today being Saturday, I have an outstanding guest. His name is Eric McCormack. No, we're not related, but he is a stud, guys. He is into fitness, has been into fitness his entire life, shares how he applied that as a police officer, as a personal trainer, how he applies it now. And he, guys, he is not a 20-year-old. He is up there in age and looks way better than I do physically um, and has some ways that I can improve uh, in my physicality as well as I'm wanting to, of course, live my most fulfilled life and be happier for longer and healthy for those that depend on me, such as my family. So you're going to really enjoy this conversation, guys. Look forward to it. I want to say really quickly, thank you so much for tuning in because Without you, this show would not grow. I would really appreciate it if you could support the show in one of two ways, or both. One, if you leave a review, this costs no money, right? So leave a review, share the show with others, bring people in, and of course, follow or subscribe or both. If you're on YouTube, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you prefer the audio, please still go subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave a review. It helps more than you know. And again, it costs you nothing but a little bit of your time. Two, if you want to support the show, check out the links down below. All these amazing companies that I work with, I choose personally. I use the gear, guys. So I want to share with you the gear that I use and get you a discount so that you can get the best gear in your hands possible so that you too can have a better experience when you're out in the outdoors or working out or just at home with your nutrition. Check them all out, guys. I really appreciate you and your support. Thank you so much. Shoot me an email or a message on Instagram if you have any questions about any of the items listed down below or anything that I've talked about in the past or go comment on YouTube on any of those episodes. With that being said, let's get into this conversation with Eric McCormack. Again, just a stud of an individual that really enjoys fitness and living life to the fullest and helping others do the same. Here we go. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I've got Eric McCormick here with Outlaw Strength. He is a just an outstanding individual. Uh, first off, I will say, you look at him, and uh, I'm going to have you guys guess how old he is, because I'm going to tell you, uh, his his body definitely doesn't tell you that he is an older gentleman. He definitely performs, yeah, right? He performs like he's in his 20s. But this guy, just so that you know a little bit about him and what I know about Eric, is he trained with Cam Haynes on a regular basis. Uh, he was the main trainer there for a couple years, That's, you know, over a decade, 12 years. And uh, then he decided to move to warmer climes, and uh, now he is in Arizona. And so Eric is the founder of Outlaw Strength, and he just does amazing things when it comes to performance, building your body up so you can go out and hunt, enjoy the outdoors, live life to its fullest. And uh, he embodies that as well. He's not one of those trainers that 
you know, says one thing and does another. You could tell he genuinely does what he preaches. So with that being said, Eric, uh, who are you for those that don't know who you are? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, my name is Eric McCormick. Uh, if you didn't guess my age, I just turned 50. So uh, I just turned August 4th. Um, I don't know. I've been in the fitness industry since 95. Uh, I was a police officer for 13 years out in Junction City, which is a small town outside of Eugene. Um training and fitness and uh those things have been a staple in my life ever since childhood um i'm still learning i'm still growing uh i'm always looking at different aspects of training and coaching uh but it's a never-ending battle it's never-ending journey of self-improvement but it sort of changes with age so I'm always looking at uh, training for your age, training for where you're at, what your goals are. I mean, it's just a lifestyle that I've just lived for 50 years. So I just love sharing. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. And honestly, you, I can only imagine all, everything that you've seen over the last 30 years that you've been officially in the industry. And even before then, when you were training, working out, obviously you didn't just start in 95, but that's kind of when you turned it into more of a career. Um, and then on mm -hmm. top of that, being a police officer, I'm sure you saw, you know, when my dad was a cop in uh, North Carolina and he made it a point to be the fittest guy in the department mm -hmm. because he saw how many guys were worried about having heart attacks, chasing down criminals, or, you know, they were just desk jockeys that were, you know, eating, I mean, living the life that everyone kind of picks on cops for of being loving donuts and, and bacon, you know, kind of deal. And he didn't, he didn't like that. He wanted to change it from, you know, his own personal experience. And so he started running marathons, which I can tell you, me and my dad were not built to run marathons. We're built to lift heavy weight. <laughs> you know? And so he pushed himself past his comfort zone. And it, it speaks volumes that you took an already stressful job as a police officer, mm -hmm. which again, if people don't understand that it is an extremely stressful job and there's a lot of paperwork too. So it's not just all chasing bad guys. Uh, but going from that and then adding on top of that, a whole nother level of making sure your body was tuned and ready to be able to handle those stresses, the rigors of that, and then also be able to come back to your family, uh, in, in the evening or the morning, whenever your shift ended and, and to be able to perform there as well. So, uh, what for you made you get into fitness when, again, you were already a police officer. You had a certain level of fitness you had to maintain, supposedly. I say supposedly because I see a lot of police officers out there that don't seem to maintain uh, a good fitness level. But what what made you want to get into fitness? Um, well, actually, I was in the fitness industry before I became a police officer. So um, through childhood, I did sports, uh, football, basketball, soccer, baseball. I mean, whatever sport. Um, I could get into. Um, but then after high school, I really didn't know what I was going to, to be doing. And I love sports. I was a pretty good athlete. So that's where I got into personal training. Uh, that's where I started back in 95. And uh, going through that, I trained a couple police officers. And that's how I actually got into uh, law enforcement. I, I never had dreamed about being a police officer. 
Um, both my brothers have been in the military. My oldest brother was in the Air Force. My middle brother, Keith, was in the Army. Um, but I really didn't, I don't know, I was, didn't really want to go in that direction of somebody else telling me exactly how to live my life. Um, but law enforcement, it was sort of in the middle. Um, I always wanted to live with some purpose. And uh, man, being a law enforcement, you're protecting life and freedom and on a day-to-day basis. And uh, man, talk about a rewarding job having purpose. I mean, you're a street soldier every single day. Counselor, street soldier, um, you're seeing the worst of the worst every single day. And I work for a, a very small agency. We only had like 10 to 11 police officers. So you had to be very self-efficient. Um, you didn't have somebody else to really coach you along the way. So you had to be a detective, a uh, counselor. Uh, I mean, whatever was thrown at you in that day, you had to be able to be uh, uh, able to handle it. So it was, a, it was a very cool job. I got to do a lot of amazing things in those, uh, in those 13 years. Um, but it was fitness first. And then law enforcement, uh, and law enforcement really pushed my training to a different level um, because it's life or death. I mean, that's that's the real life. And I never wanted to have somebody die or somebody that would be killed because I couldn't physically perform. And that's where I took my whole training, defensive tactics, firearms, or whatever it is to that whole different level of importance. Um, during those 13 years, I taught at the academy uh, on new recruits, on defensive tactics, on how to defend themselves and use their tools. Um, I was a physical fitness instructor, so I got to see what was coming into the new world. And also as a taser instructor. So I got to tase everybody that wanted to carry that tool. So um, fitness was always my main thing. But then law enforcement took it to a different level of, um, man, be able to flip that switch. And that's where I think that I really evolved into, um, man, every day is important. Every training session is important. Um, it's just putting the value into it. And uh, where is your value? Where is your importance? So, uh, yeah, law enforcement really catapulted me into every single moment matters. And that's where I met Cam. And he's a super um, intense individual. Probably one of the most intense people I've ever met in my life on consistency and what he's willing to push. But that's where uh, I was right there with him. I was like, let's do it. Let's let's see where we can take this. And we took it to uh, some pretty extreme levels. I'd say so. Yeah, you guys, I mean, seeing you guys up there training and then the recovery and, you know, everything that you guys, you went through the whole process. It wasn't just constantly running, which it seems like, you know, a lot of people see that's what he does. But there's so many more aspects to his training that uh, a lot of people probably don't even recognize. But before we dive into that, even I want to talk a little bit more about um, your time as a police officer and knowing you came in with a fitness mindset makes, makes more sense as to why 
it wasn't the other way around. I know a lot of people go into being a police officer, uh, whether they grew up, you know, thinking that way, like, hey, I want to be a cop one day, or maybe they had a family line of, of police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they think they get to chase bad guys all day, which again, my dad drove that home to me. That is not the case. Uh, there's a lot of paperwork that, that happens. That's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. but I, I did want to ask it, why do you think that knowing, cause you took that perspective of it's life or death and it's not even just your life or death, it's life or death for other individuals, um, mm-hmm. which there's so many experiences that make it hard. I can imagine for you as a police officer in that area that you live, uh, to even go out in public. And it's hard for you to know that people in your community are capable of some of the things that you have to deal with as a police officer and, uh, taking that and continuing with your physical journey. Why do you think that other people don't step up their training in the same way? Why do they sometimes take it the other way where the stress affects them to the point Mm -hmm. where they, in, embrace food or whatever it is to comfort them alcohol. rather than yeah. alcohol as another big one yeah, yeah to cope Huge. with things uh mm-hmm. why do you think that is well um a little bit more background in me I, I didn't have a very good childhood growing up um my mom and dad separated and my mom she didn't choose men very well and uh my dad actually went to prison for six years for growing marijuana. Um, So I really didn't have a very good stable childhood and exercise has always been sort of my uh, therapy. I never really wanted to be home because I had drugs, I had things at home, alcohol, all those things. So fitness has always been sort of my uh, coping mechanism as a child. And I just continued that on through, uh, I mean, I got, my dad got thrown in prison when I was in high school and I was living with him. And so I was homeless. I really didn't have anywhere to stay. So I had to stay with friends my junior and senior year. So I had to really turn into survival mode (laughs) at a very, uh, you know, young age, 17 years old, I was on my own. And, uh, I just think, uh, that was sort of like, embedded into me um through law enforcement man you're dealing with uh you think of the bad guys i've met some evil people in my life i've seen horrible things but it's the counseling it's the the hardship that you're going into someone's worst day um loved ones dying accidents or whatever trauma it is and you're trying to help that person through their worst moment of the day and um you take that home with you and when i started i started back in 98 um counseling wasn't really an option we didn't have counselors um so you just had to suck it up you just had to suck it up and I don't know if you've ever had anybody die in your arms. I've had eight people die in my arms. And uh, it's a terrible thing. Um, Not just the person, but the family, the loved ones, the people that are associated with you. It's, I don't know, and I really care about people. And when you really care about people, it's it really impacts you. So going to alcohol, going to... Uh, trying to forget that's real. I mean, 
Um, and I think some of the things of like military, I mean, every single day we have, um, you know, seven people kill themselves that are part of the military. And law enforcement, I think it's one every three days or every two days. Um, but the difference is, is that with military, you have combat situations and then you have a break of six, seven months. So you have sort of a decompression time. As law enforcement, you never have that option. It's, it's a, every day is a new version. You show up, you do your job. So there's never a time to really process of the shit that you just went through. Sorry for my language, but uh, <laughs> what you're going through. So yeah. resorting to alcoholism or um, shutting off. I mean, those are, I mean, realistic things. So that's where it's, we just want to be real and get counseling and get help. I'm doing um, more mental therapy now of, of the trauma that I went through for th- those 13 years. But yeah. it's just being human. And I think that we sort of put up this strong brace of being a man that we can't be real, can't be emotional, but man, that's, that's not real. If you have a family, if you have children, you, you can't be uh, disconnected. Yeah. It definitely blows over and it it carries home that that's for sure. Oh, guaranteed. Um, I mean, you saw it to your father, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he was, you know, he, he was an amazing father. And if it, I mean, he, he did everything that he could to make sure that we were always taken care of. But I also, I mean, there's things that, that I would see in him, you know, that we, we wouldn't go to certain places or we wouldn't do certain things because he knew that there was potential danger there. Um, and, and, you know, as an adult now we've talked about it and kind of talked through some things, but he definitely went to counseling and he, he definitely made sure to take care of it that way because, um, he knew that it could affect the home life. And, uh, and so, you know, that, I know it affects people differently, but you can definitely tell, you know, and and again, talking to him as an adult, I know there's a lot of things that, and stories that he's told me, he's like, you know, it's crazy. Cause then, you know, I'd go into a Walmart with you guys and I'd look over and I'd see someone that I had just arrested for domestic violence over there. And I'd have to get us to leave. It was like, I would never give you guys an, but I knew what that person was capable of. And I'd steer clear, you know, and, and it's something, like you said, you can't really turn it off, especially if you work as a police officer in that community um, that you live. Uh, You know, there was, there was another time where um, anyone in this police department's family was threatened by our cousins of our neighbors because their, their cousin had been killed in a traffic stop because he was, you know, he had some cocaine and other things in the car and they pulled a gun on an officer and, you know, the officer shot him. And uh, my dad, you know, would bring it up. He's like, Hey, did you know, did you ever notice a car fall on you? I was like, no, he's like, well, I had someone on your bus to and from school every single day to make sure that you guys were taken care of. Like crazy stuff like wow. that. Like, just as yeah. a kid, you don't think about. And so I can only imagine the stuff that you saw up in Oregon as well. I mean, that can be, especially having a small department, that can be rough. But even mm-hmm. even more so, it's commendable that you stayed with your fitness. And, and a lot of people latch on to fitness and even can say, I'm sure you heard it with Cam. You've heard it yourself, I'm sure that it's an obsession. It's, it's not healthy to work out that much. It's not healthy to train mm-hmm. that much. Uh, and to a degree, I can agree with that if you're not taking proper steps to recover afterwards. 
which you guys started showing that, um, you know, you would go through recovery, you would do IV, you would do, you know, all of these other things showing that there was proper nutrition and recovery after these mm -hmm. extreme events, uh, that you guys train for, but going through that, how, how did you help people or did you make it kind of a mission yourself or did you just lead by example to help people steer away from that alcohol and that trauma, bottling it up and putting it more into the gym? Was that something that you noticed um, in your department? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, it's a brotherhood. I mean, really, you're trying, you have to rely on somebody else. You never know when that situation would occur. And we did a lot of training. Like we went to SWAT school together. We went to FBI interrogation school. I mean, we went to specialized training as a unit. Um, so it really bonds you together. But um, I don't know. You just sort of got to lead by what works for you. And uh, I don't know. I Me being excessive about it, you know, I'd shoot my handgun every week. I had like a routine that I would make uh, disciplined. And people would be contagious to that i mean if if you are super physically fit and you mean business and you're there to do your job and that that's why i took it It was like the most extreme important job on the planet and uh i took it very seriously and i think that uh people sort of would want to follow along that because they knew that if i showed up i would be able to perform and uh i would be there for them I would, I would take a bullet for somebody else. I mean, I would, I would die for one of my friends or somebody else I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of a hard, that's a hard thing is that I used to, man, I'm going to work and didn't get paid very much money, but I put on a bullet resistant vest and a gun to go to work. I mean, that, that sort of just blows my mind, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it rubs off. If you have somebody yeah. that's a savage, that's a beast, you want to be like that. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, you know, that that's definitely a big deal leading by example. And again, I, I highlighted that kind of at the beginning, but you're not one of those people. Cause I've been into multiple gyms where, you know, you go in and the lead trainer is bulky and not in a good way. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, but he's got the credentials. He was a power lifter and he's done this and that. And I'm like, that's awesome. But, what a you know you're preaching weight loss you're not preaching mm -hmm. powerlifting you're not having people come to you for powerlifting you're you're trying to highlight weight loss and you it, it's hard to go to somebody that doesn't embody what they preach that doesn't yeah. genuinely live what they talk about and so you know it's like you go you wouldn't go to someone who's broke for financial advice you wouldn't go to someone who's <laughs> been divorced four <laughs> times for marriage advice like you know Definitely things not. like that you you don't do that and so yeah, uh, it's it's I imagine that your success as a trainer has a lot to do with the fact, again, that you live what you preach. You don't just talk about it. And yeah, again, it's cool to have that knowledge. And there's a lot of people that do have that knowledge, but it's mm -hmm. also important to apply it and be your own salesman, even when you're not speaking. You know, people can just yeah. look at the way that you are and what you do and know whether or not they want to hire you or learn from you or whatever it is that they're, you know, that you're trying to teach. And so mm -hmm. that that's definitely a big deal. Now with, with law enforcement, 13 years, it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of odd hours and things like that. Um, how big are you into hunting 
I've never actually really had that discussion with you. I know you hung out with Cam Haynes. You live in Oregon, which is one yeah. of the states I'd love to go visit. Some great opportunities there. But, um, you know, how, how big are you into hunting and the outdoors? Um, yeah, well, um, as a child, I was born in Roseburg, Oregon, which is a small town, Dixonville, outside of Roseburg. And my grandma had a ranch. She had 300 acres out in the country. So I was exposed to um, country life pretty much uh, as a child. So um, hunting was part of our whole life, uh, but it was rifle hunting. And um, then when I moved away from the ranch, we moved into the city. And I really sort of did hunting a little bit with my dad. I'd come here. It was always rifle hunting. And then when I became a cop, I hunted humans. And uh, hunting humans is super dangerous. And I really didn't do much outdoors or hunting because I was stacked full of adventure every single day. Every single day I was doing my thing. And then I met Cam and uh, bow hunting was sort of brought to me. It was like, man, this bow hunting is whole different. Uh, it's, it's different. I mean, because it's close, it's personal. Um, it's uh, so much more challenging. And Oregon's a pretty hard place to hunt in. Very, uh, not a lot of open lanes. It's hard mm -hmm. to find, a lot of thick brush. Um, but yeah, I love, uh, I love hunting. Uh, I, I love uh, going out there. I like to hunt. I like to go into the wilderness and stay. Um, I like to pack in on myself. I like to go in seven or 10 miles. And I like to stay four or five days. And uh, I have a great group of guys I go with. It's just a, man, it's just a, an adventure. I, I I love the adventure. I love going out and seeing what you're made of and experiencing that. Um, but that's not my whole drive. I mean, uh, it's part of my decompression and uh, getting out with friends and enjoying mm -hmm. our time. But uh, Cam is the one that really sparked that interest into bow hunting. I mean, look at him. I mean, that's, that's what his, his <laughs> adventures. Um, but I wanted those adventures. So when I left law enforcement, I was missing some of that adrenaline and excitement. So that's where it's uh, filled in with some of that adventure. But it's a little different. I mean, it's it's definitely a little different. Now you have to worry about getting shot or shot back at. But uh, no, I, I love hunting. I love the outdoors. I love being challenged and uh, being out with your friends and connecting. And no, I mean, I still love it. Still love it today. That, that's awesome. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a whole nother experience I can imagine, you know, versus being a police officer and, and why between the time and the budget, because again, you don't make a lot of money as a, as a cop. And, uh, and then on, on top of that, you know, you've got so much going on as it is to sit there and try and plan a hunt, be able to take off seven days. Uh, you know, you don't want to go hike in 10 miles and like all of that stuff is not really on your plate when uh, when, when you're a police officer. So, you know, getting out of that and then working with Cam, I, I can only imagine why that rubbed off kind of like what you were saying with, 
how your training would rub off on on that brotherhood that you had as a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine Cam had a little bit to do with the fact that you got into uh, that kind of hunting out there. So, yeah. um, you know, what's your favorite, I guess, your favorite animal to hunt? Uh, elk, deer, bear, cougars? Oh, what's your... Definitely, I mean, elk and deer. I mean, that's sort of where... Um... Those mysterious animals, those elk are, I mean, they're a different breed of animal. But it's like, uh, I don't know, with elk hunting, it's so much different because you have to have so much planning that goes into it, Mm. locating, finding your plan of how to do it. And I've been pretty fortunate for uh, living where I am and with Cam making these friends uh, I found some amazing hunters, you know, so we sort of, you learn from the ones that have been doing it for 20, 30 years and you're sort of like, Oh, that worked, that worked. Um, but yeah, elk hunting's, I mean, that shit is awesome because you are really, truly, uh, going to where no people want to go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then when you when you kill one, then you really have to man up <laughs> and see what you're made of. And uh if you kill a couple, then it's a whole different game of what that mental toughness of physically oh, yeah. fit. But oh, yes, yeah. elk hunting, deer hunting, those are the ones I, I love to do. I really never have done very much bear. I've run across bears, but I never go seeking for them. I mean, yeah. uh, but that might be something to check on my list. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And that, that's something I'm starting to dabble in. But no, I, I agree that elk are, it's a whole nother, I mean, they're a whole nother beast. We had a, <laughs> there was one that we found this last year. My buddy ended up getting him um, in the late season. He had been left by his herd. He was a, he would have been a seven by seven. He was a seven wow. broken off on the other side. He was a two. Um, and I, oh, wow. first off, when we got up to him, I was like, I look at his antler, you know, once my buddy had killed him and we get up to him, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's a femur bone. Like, can you imagine the pressure that it would have taken for that antler to snap in a fight with another elk? Like, my gosh. And you could tell he was old, just a, I mean, just old elk. And he had been through some stuff. And on top of that, he had been shot during the muzzleloader season. So here in, in Utah, oh, wow. we have our, we have our season that ends our archery season that ends like near the end of September. And then, uh, we can do our extended archery, which is a more small area of, you know, that you can go in, but it basically runs from, uh, October all the way through like halfway through December. And so, um, we were out there, it was like two days before the end of the hunt. We were in like two foot deep snow. Um, and this guy had already been shot by a muzzleloader. His antler had broken off and he had been left by his herd. Like this was a warrior, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but it's just crazy. You know, I can't imagine taking a muzzleloader slug to the shoulder being three legged and having my antler snapped off, which means that a younger bull came in and stole my ladies. Like all of that crap happened to this poor bull this year. It was like, all right, it was his, it was his time to go. (laughs) Yeah. Right. He had had a rough year, but yeah, they're, they're amazing animals. It's crazy what they will go through and, and still survive. Um, how far they'll run, how quiet they can be. Like, how do you have these massive antlers on your head and you can go through the trees more quiet than me? Like, what is that? (laughs) You know? (laughs) 
an amazing animal. And if you get to experience mm-hmm. that, most people have never seen an elk in their natural habitat. All right. Pardon the brief interruption here, but I want to bring to you and give a shout out to all the amazing companies that I get to work with on a regular basis. I aim for quality and I want you guys to understand that. I want you to know that the companies that I recommend, it's not due to being paid by these companies or being asked to advertise certain things. I work with companies that I believe in. I use their gear or their nutritional supplementation, and I want to share that with you. So here we go. Of course, First Form and First Form Outdoors. Guys, come join us over at First Form Outdoors Facebook group. If you don't have Facebook, shoot me an email. I'd love to get you in on the weekly calls. First Form just makes the best supplements on the market. When you're up on the mountain, you definitely want a post-workout shake. When you get off of the mountain while you're making your, your meals, you want to make sure you have your micronutrients on point when you are hunting. So definitely want you guys to check that out. Check out the link down below. You get free shipping for life when you use the link on any orders. Over 75 bucks. Also, Alpen Fuel and Heather's Choice. Those are my top two meals in the backcountry whenever I'm out hunting. I love those meals. Clean ingredients. Great macros. Make sure you hit your recovery there as well. Black Ovis. Best conglomeration of all of the things that have to do with outdoors and hunting from clothing. I love their lightweight setups with Merino and their pants. They've got backpacks, glassing, and more boots, crispy boots that I rock. Go check them out, guys. Code REDBEARD10 will save you money and free shipping on anything over $50. All in digiscoping, best digiscoping on the market. The Bino adapter is coming out very soon. Go check it out. Code REDBEARD to save some money. Initial Ascent, best pack backpacks on the market, guys, by far. Go check them out and use code REDBEARD as well. A3 Archery Bowstrings, favorite strings, no stretch, no need to wax them. They're waxless, just awesome, and they hold tension. No loss in poundage. Go check them out, A3 Archery Bowstrings. Cryptech, my go-to camo, but also day-to-day wear. They've got some amazing pieces of gear and clothing. Go check out Cryptech, Castro Glassing Systems, Dark Energy, if you guys need that battery, the Poseidon Pro, or even the Poseidon Nano. Go check them out, guys. Use code REDBEARD, save some money. Go Ruck, those McCalls, or those Macalls, are the best shoe for EDC. For me personally, I rock them every single day. Trail running, they are great for rucking. They have some great tread, wider toe box, excellent shoe. Go check out Go Ruck, code REDBEARD10. Sheep Feet Custom Orthotics, My Medic, Canvas Cutter. Guys, that thing is outstanding. Get a cot from Teton Sports, get Canvas Cutter, and you're good to go during hunting season if you're hunting back from the truck. Affect Beard Oil, Muley Freak Bino Harness, the Game Changer, Bow Hunters United, Joy Bees, and of course, the Bow Hitch. Guys, Thank you so much for listening in on this. I just wanted to give a shout out to all the sponsors of the show. If you can't support monetarily, again, go leave a review. I appreciate it. Have an awesome day. And let's get back into the conversation here. And just being able to be in that herd and actually be able to experience the the rut of when they're yelling and screaming of how powerful they are. It's uh, it's bone chilling. I mean, it's, 
it's i wish you could get more of that you know yeah <laughs> you, well that's why that's why we're it. addicted to it right <laughs> right <laughs> you get that one hit you know every once in a while oh. when you get to hear that scream of a bugle it's like oh man all right this is why, why i'm here are my legs shaking i can't stop my yeah. legs shaking right. you know <laughs> And no, it's a, it's a different kind of adrenaline rush, especially if you've been within 10, 20 feet mm. of a bull that's, uh, you can't explain it. It's, uh, you got it. You have to experience it once in your lifetime. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that chest rattle too, when you get those deep oh. bugles, I'll always remember. So I, there was one, I mean, I'd been out for, I don't know, four or five days. I'd seen some, hadn't really heard anything. Utah elk, especially the general season areas, are known for being quiet because they're very hunted. Pressure, um, so much yeah, pressure. Yeah, and and what I realize is they they do kind of this low. They'll do the low growl or chuckle, but they won't full on bugle unless it's nighttime. And so, but this one, I, I don't know what was going on. It must have been heating up in the rut or something. But I, I let out a locator, and then I mean, he was probably two hundred yards away from me. But even then, like his bugle just rattled my chest and i was like oh like that i could just oh man that feeling was just outstanding so yeah anyone that hasn't gone out and chased elk like youtube videos can't do it justice you have to experience it in person it can't capture there's just these certain notes that you get um or even a one that's growling at you you know uh, when you're close and it it just wants to check who you are and doesn't want to full-on bugle like those experiences are just I love mule deer. They're awesome, but you can't get that from a mule deer. No, you just can't. No. So no. Yeah. And mostly deer. It's just like, you just walk up on them. It's like, Oh, mm. crap, there's a buck, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly. exciting, but it's not like you have a plan, you know, a plan yeah. of like, Oh, there's the bull. Let's figure out how to get that bull down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love both aspects, the surprise, but also the plan. Yeah. Well, I, I was telling someone the other day, um, I don't know if you've ever been out east and seen like the south, southeastern whitetails or they're basically big dogs. I mean, they're they're not that big. Uh, they're bigger than a coos deer, but they're not they're really not that big. And uh, that's what I grew up seeing. And then when I came out to Utah, uh, the first time I saw a mule deer, even before <laughs> I was into, into hunting. Yeah. Like I, we were walking around on the campus at night. We had some frozen yogurt or something. Uh, we we're on a, a date. And I, we turned the corner and I look, I was like, who left their freaking, wait, that's not a horse. Like there's antlers on that one. What the <laughs> heck? <laughs> These things are huge. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite the experience, but, um, but yeah, there's nothing, nothing like an elk, man, especially when you're up close and you, you hear them or even just seeing how they can maneuver yes. through stuff. It's just, man, they're, they're majestic. And to think they that are. they used to be plains animals. You know, that they used to just roam around where we're now living and they've been pushed up in the mountains, like to think that they were just out and about. I can't, I I just can't, stuff like that gets me excited to think about being back in the exploring days when you'd go out and like, you see these massive elk fighting in the middle of, you know, like all of that stuff. I can't imagine what they were thinking when they first came across them, but. Anyway, kind of went off on an elk tangent there. No, no, Uh, no, it's totally good. Because when... uh, uh, I, I would go out to the Eagle Caps where Cam would originally mm. go hunting. And that's a, I mean, that's a legit wilderness. You have bears, you have wolves. I mean, it's like, it's, it's legit. When you go mm. in there, you don't know what you're going to expect. And uh, those kinds of adventures, I mean, it's, uh, that's what you sign up for is doing some epic stuff. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And I'm still relatively new. I, I've been hunting uh, with a rifle. It's been probably, I don't know, six or seven, uh, probably seven or eight years now at this uh -huh. point out here out west. But then with a bow, it's been a little over. This will be, I think, five years. And so um, it's just I'm still baby brand new into it. At least yeah. I feel like it. And I, I just I can't get enough. It is outstanding. And everything that goes into it, the prep work making sure your bow's tuned, getting your broadheads ready, all of that. And then on top of that, the e-scouting, making sure you're hunting with the right people is another big yes. thing. Um, all of the stuff that goes into it is just, it, it's, it's a whole nother, whole nother deal. So, uh, but going, going back to kind of the training aspect. So you, you are a hunter, but that is not the only reason why you train. And this was a big deal mm -hmm. for me, why I wanted to have you on uh, on the podcast was to talk a little bit more about what is your ideology, your thought process behind fitness and training, um, that has kept you going. Cause people go in spurts. There's very rare and few individuals that will consistently be in shape for an extreme amount of time. I mean, I say extreme more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. Most people go in couple year cycles and yeah. I'm wondering what, what has kept you going, um, through all the different transitions of your life to where you're still, you just hit 50 and you're, I mean, you're more jacked than most 20 year olds or 30 year olds. I know. Um, well, it's life. I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. It's you're training for life and, um, for quality of life, not just life period, but what, what kind of quality of life do you want to live? Um, so that's my main focus is, is, uh, health and then longevity and having some purpose and training for your age. Um, so you sort of have to go through, I don't train like I did when I was 20 years old, you know, when I was 20 years old, um, mostly trying to be as strong as you possibly can lift as much heavy as weight, trying to build as much muscle as you possibly can. Um, I got into uh, competitive bodybuilding um, at 24 years old, and I just competed uh, a couple weeks ago for my 40th competition, and I might be competing this Saturday. Um, so with um, that, it's sort of like training for your age. So when I was 20, strength, performance, maybe explosiveness when you're in your 30s. It was more into law enforcement, those things. 40s, now I'm trying to keep my body together. 50 years old, I'm trying not to put on as much weight, keep my heart healthy, keep my organs healthy, keep my body mobile, flexibility, mobility. It's sort of like a big circle. And when you first started training, uh, it's all about sports, right? How do you move? How do you jump? How do you do those things? And then maybe you get away from that a little bit, get into trying to be strength training. And then when you get older, you want to go back to that mobility, movement, balance, and all those perspectives. So I think this training for what your purpose is and changing it up. Um, I mean, I love weight training, but also I love endurance training. Um, I got into uh, running, uh, imagine through CAM. Um, did some running, some ultras, some marathons, uh, like cycling. I, I did an Iron, not Ironman. I did a triathlon one time. 
and just to see what you're capable of. Um, I love endurance training because it really tests your spirit and your mind um, over a long duration of time. But weight training, it gets you there quick. Um, you can get to that failure because I believe in is how many times can you fail? Most people don't train to failure. And I try to train to failure. And that's sort of a different mindset of whatever that is. Is If I can have 10 failures in a workout, I walk away as like, man, I had to get myself back up 10 times. And that's where my mentality has changed. It's like, I don't care about my uh, PR max or whatever it is. <laughs> I just want to be able to push myself to that next limit that my body shuts down, but my mind is willing to go farther. Because your body's going to shut down, hopefully, before your mind does. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when you train with some savages like David Goggins, Cam Haynes, it's just God. like, you still got some more in the tank. You know, you still can dig a little deeper and get down to where you need to be to get to that next level. But I think it's training for life. I mean, I love it. I I love training for a purpose, training for life and uh, share that. Yeah, exactly. I I love the way you explain that because a lot of people, you know, can say, you know, I train for life, but what it what exactly is life? And I love that you broke it down. You know, it depends on what stage you are. You know, a lot of people start their weightlifting and training really through sports. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and then that evolves. And and a lot of college athletes or even pro athletes get done with their careers and they're like, Well, cool. Like I, now what? I'm done with my career. I don't need to train anymore. Yeah. Right. And then they get, you know, the linemen get really fat rather than just strong like they were. And, uh, you know, some other people will, will gain weight because they're used to eating a certain amount of calories. They could eat whatever basically, and still run it off on the soccer field. And, you know, all of this stuff happens and they don't recognize that they're shifting as they retire or they get done with college or whatever, that they need to shift their way of training because at that mm-hmm. point in time, that was your life. And now your life is something else. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of different, um, I guess, ideas out there on this. But basically, uh, the, the whole idea of you need to kind of reevaluate your own, your own self and pick what works best for you. I, I love that. And I do love that you said that endurance training, obviously, it's got a good benefit for your cardiovascular system. But I love that you said that it's, it's a lot more mental and it's not just training it for your cardio, but because it is more of a mental grind. Because um, you can, you can pump out a man. I mean, there's some workouts that I've done that we're done in 15, 20 minutes and I feel like I'm dead. Right. Yeah. But you're done. You know, at those 10, 15 minute marks, I guess it's going to suck, but you're done. And then there's the times where you're going and running or rucking or hiking with weight on your back, whatever you're doing and and you're like, you get up to that mountaintop and you're like, I'm here. And then you realize that was a false summit and you, you know, you have to get over that. You have to get over that mental hurdle. And so that cardio definitely helps train your, your mentality with, with that. So that's, that's outstanding. Um, with your business, are you online based? Are you in person? Are you kind of a mix between the two? Um, how, how do you handle training? Um, I mean, I think that I'm sort of at the point, uh, 
now I'm more of a consultant. I really like to give guidance because there's just so much fog out there in the world um, of people really where to get started and how to find a balance. I believe in, I try to build the hybrid athlete, which is um, not carrying extra weight, but then having that strength and endurance, you know, finding that optimal level for where you're at. So I really try to preach that, that balance and that structure and people really don't have any structuring. So I do a lot of, uh, online coaching. I do a lot of talking on the phone, giving some direction with nutrition. I believe in eating for performance. Um, but also you got to start with eating for health first. And then once you get the concept of eating for health, then you can go into the performance perspective. Um, So, I mean, nutrition is hard. I mean, because you have to eat, you have to control those habits. Um, But I sort of came up with five components of fitness that sort of are your staples that if you have a balance in all those components, you'll really truly be healthy. Um, the first is your team. Who do you surround yourself? Doctors, coaches, uh, loved ones, uh, training partners, whoever that you need to submerge yourself when that's going to get you to do that next level. So team is number one. The second is your fuel. Um, your body is a machine. It's constantly burning calories 24-7. And most people are doing like this fasting or starvation or extremes and it really comes down to it it's giving your body what it needs to function at the right time so i eat to train i eat to have great workouts and to keep my metabolism running keep my body running so i'm a true believer in knowing what my output is and knowing what my input is um and most people have no idea what how many calories their body's burning most people don't have any idea of how many calories they're consuming. Um, most people don't know what their body fat percentage. Most people don't know what their visceral fat is around the, the fat around their organs. And um, I try to build a plan that will get you to the optimal level. For men, I recommend being from 12 to 14% body fat. Women, somewhere around 18 to 20 Um, but if you don't know where your body fat percentage is, most people are in the thirties. Most people are obese, um, through standards, you know, they're comfortable eating and they have no idea. So nutrition is king. So you got your, you got your team, you got your fuel, and then you have your motor, which is your heart and your cardiovascular training. Most people don't know what the resting heart rate is. No, most people don't know what their uh, heart is doing during exercise. And I think that's a the huge thing that you need to know is what is your resting heart rate and how can we make your heart more efficient? Mm-hmm. Um, you think of somebody that has a, uh, an athlete has a resting heart rate of 60 beats per minute. That's still 33 million beats in a year. If I can reduce your heart rate by a couple beats per minute, I'm going to prolong your life, you know, and that's where heart health is huge. And most people mm-hmm. have no idea about that. So you got your team, you got your fuel, you got your motor, and then you have your armor, which is uh, the skeletal structure, the weight training, the bone density, all those things of, 
um, keeping your body up and mobile. Um, so you're not in a wheelchair, you're not, uh, you're able to function. And then the last is the recovery. Um, how do you keep your body up and running and, uh, finding that balance for ice therapy, uh, hydration, nutrition, um, all those aspects. So that's where those five components, if you have a little balance in all of those, you're really going to build a foundation to truly be healthy and be able to see your progress and your performance. Yep. No, that's, that's awesome. That's man. sort of the gist. Those five yeah, yeah. components of fitness. No, I, I really like that. That's, that's a great way to break it down. And um, all of those things are really, uh, really intriguing. What would you say as far as a resting heart rate goes? What's the average rest? What would you say a good resting heart rate is for someone that would, I don't know, maybe is uh, a hunter and, and trains for other things like, you know, hiking, backpacking, stuff like that. But what is there a set number that you look for or is it just you find their baseline and try and improve that? Yeah, I mean, that's where everybody's a little different. You know, your heart is the, is the most important muscle in your body. So that's where I would go out and tell everybody, go get a fitness tracker, mm -hmm. Garmin, Fitbit, whatever that is. And it's not going to be exact, but it's going to put you in the ballpark figure. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... I always try to get the people to somewhere be in the sixties, fifties. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, Cam was in the forties. I mean, but yeah. the, the lighter you are, the less, uh, function that heart has to do. So mm -hmm. when I was really into competitive bodybuilding, I used to be 240 pounds. Wow. Uh, right now I'm around 190. So I took a lot of that extra muscle away. So my heart doesn't work as hard. So when I was in the competitive bodybuilding, my heart rate might have been in the 70s, but now wow. I'm in the low mid-50s to 60s. I mean, the more muscle you have, the harder that heart has to work. Mm -hmm. So it's – and the more fat you have, the more body fat, the harder that heart has to work to pump that blood to the fat. So my whole equation is like find out where you are and let's try to make that heart more efficient through nutrition and reducing some of that body fat or if we need to get rid of some of the muscle i mean it's uh it's sort of a give or take of what what are you trying to do yeah exactly yeah there's and a lot of people too and i i realized this um when i got into weight i guess western hunting uh is your body doesn't care if it's muscle or fat weight is weight and if you weight can cut weight. you know if you can cut some of that weight out even if it is that you need to maybe not lift so heavy or such high volume or whatever, train your muscles to be more functional over, mm -hmm. uh, you know, strong, uh, like where you're saying shifting from your twenties to thirties and et cetera and beyond. Um, you know, that's one of those things that, that you need to recognize is your, your brain doesn't think, you know, these muscles look good. So I need to keep them. Your brain thinks this really sucks when I'm up on the mountain and my legs are burning because you're carrying those extra 20 pounds of muscle that you think looks good in a bathing suit. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's not, yeah. that's not how your body works, you know, naturally. So, um, it is definitely all, uh, based on kind of what your performance that you're looking for. Uh, mm -hmm. and so that, you know, I, I, I can definitely see that being, uh, I love that you tailor it to each individual. You don't have like a set thing that you're necessarily looking for mm. as far as no. numbers. You just want to help them get to a certain point, uh, yes. that they want. 
And that, that's, yes. that's, that's also, that speaks to kind of how you train and who you are. You don't really have that cookie cutter mentality. You're more of how can I help you better? Let me listen to what mm-hmm. your plans are, et cetera. So that, that's really awesome. And that's self-improvement. Really cool. I mean, as it really mm-hmm. comes down to it. And when we, uh, the cool thing is that we just did this run, lift, shoot experience in mm-hmm. Oregon with Cam and Mountain Ops. And we had like 50 people fly in from all around the world. Um, even somebody from Australia came in wow. to to train with us and to experience. And the thing that really surprised me was 90% of the people that were there were there for self-improvement. They weren't there for bow hunting. They weren't really there to figure out how to be a better hunter. They want to be a better human. They want to be a better person. So that was really um, – eye-opening for me this is like um i don't know we start picking like we look on instagram we start judging ourselves to other people it's like man this is your journey mm-hmm. this is let's just make your journey a little more uh, understandable and make you a better person so exactly that's the way I look at it. It's like, man, God made us that we're supposed to lift each other up. And this has been my obsession for my whole entire life. And I've made a lot of mistakes. Mm. And I've learned from those mistakes. And hopefully those mistakes might be able to get somebody else that they don't make the same mistakes that I did. Love so, that. yeah. Find people who have obsessions and then listen to them for a while. Whatever it is, if it's, uh, like you said, bow hunting, if you hang out with an amazing bow hunter, you're going to pick some stuff up from them <laughs> if you go out with them, right? Yeah. If you find an amazing trainer or you find an amazing person, listen to them for a little bit and maybe apply some of those things that they're saying to you to your lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, that I, you can really tell the character of people by how open they are to conversation rather than just preaching to you at the same time. You know, you want Mm -hmm. to, if you go and they're saying they want to help you, but they're not willing to have that conversation. They just want to tell you you're wrong and you need to do it this way. Um, that's kind of a red, yeah, right. That's kind of a red flag. That that's, that's kind of a red flag. And, and I think like what you were saying about, for example, with Cam, there's another guy, Dan Staten. I'm sure you know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very intense individuals. And I haven't had the pleasure of sitting down and having dinner with Cam, but I have with Dan on multiple occasions. And he is one of those guys that can scare people because of how intense he is. And if you're not used to mm-hmm. having a good, solid, genuine conversation with someone, it could get scary how intense Dan is. And he yeah. like, he'll sit there and when he asks you a question, he will like, you can just tell he's staring through your soul trying to get that answer. He wants to know mm-hmm. every little, he's sucking dry every little word that comes out of your mouth. And, uh, my brief interactions with cam, he's the same way. If he asks you a question it's because he, there's a reason behind it. And he genuinely wants to know your answer. It's not just cause mm-hmm. he's trying to BS and have, he doesn't have time for that. He wants yeah. to know, and he's just very pointed, great, and then he'll move on to the next conversation. And he's not saying that you can't be a part of it, but he's learned what he needs to from you. He's going to go on to the next guy. And that's kind of how you know these guys, these high achievers are. And I love that. But again, I, I, I try and tell people that because there's a lot of bad vibes that go out about people like Cam Hands and Dan State, and they're like, oh, they're just they're jerks. They've got this attitude, blah, blah, blah. 
And I try and just like diffuse that a little bit and just say, well, have you ever had a genuine conversation or are you going to where both of these guys are introverts and they don't like to go to these big events and you get the two seconds to shake their hand and you think they're jerks because they won't give you the time of day. Like, you know, and so, um, anyway, going back to the, the obsession piece, um, finding those people who are obsessed, but are willing to have good conversations and to, to teach you in a way that you understand. Um, that's rare. That's Mm -hmm. very, very rare and hard to find. sounds like you've had some good experiences though. And you are one of those people you're obsessed with fitness. You've been there, but you also are one of those people that's very inviting and you have a genuine conversation with people. You're not just like, this is the way period end of story. We're done. Move on. Like you, you're very much open for a conversation. So that's awesome. Well, it's, it comes down to, there's thousands of ways of exercising. I mean, and, and who to say of what's the best way to exercise. I mean, find out what you enjoy at this time. You know, if you like roller skating, biking, swimming, I don't care. I mean, I really don't care what you're into. I just want you doing something and I want to make it better. I want to make you thrive in whatever you enjoy to do. But it comes down to it, it's it's all what do you put into the body and what do you ask of the body? And um, it's finding some balance. And with Cam and these extremes, and they're total extremes. I mean, anybody that's going to run 250 miles in three days, it's in a different extreme level. But you can still help that individual if some pieces and that's where I thought my job was it wasn't so much just to work out with him it's like how can I help Cam Haynes be a better person and an athlete so that's where when we first started working out it was just the grind but then later on that's where I implemented the IVs finding some mm-hmm. acupuncture finding some manual therapists finding some people that are gifted in other areas and then I bring them and introduce them to Cam. It's like, hey, check this person out. This is mm-hmm. amazing. We should apply some of this. And that's why he's, what, 55 years old and still able to function the way he is. Yep. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And always looking to improve, too. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. he's not at a plateau. You know, he's not no. just stuck where he's at. He's trying to get better and find, and as, you know, uh, new information comes out, you know, the cold therapy, the massage gun, the acupuncture, the IVs, applying all of that on top of good nutrition. Um, he definitely mm-hmm. talks a lot about that as well. So just to kind of wrap and it up bringing here. bringing these people in, also bringing all these people in and asking them, them how they think. Mm-hmm. You know, the mindset of not just the training and all the techniques, but how does your mind work? How, how does, how does uh, that whole connection work? And that's where I think his great show is like he's really uh, branching out of the mind-body-spirit yeah. connection, yep. which I think exactly. we need to get to now. We need to get to that next level of mind, body, and spirit. How do we make those all thrive together? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and with, with that as well, you know, applying a kind of a, a holistic, not in like the voodoo sense, but like a holistic, as far as like nutrition and these therapies and this therapy and still putting in the work, um, you know, with that being said with nutrition, what's kind of your, you said you eat for performance. 
Um, mm-hmm. Are you more on the road of like eat a certain amount of protein, focus on protein calories? Because you did mention, you know, calories intake and uh, and also what you're putting out, what your body uses on a regular basis, which I'm assuming you recommend people track things. You don't just mm-hmm. eat intuitively. No. Um, that intuitively. Don't eat for feeling. Yeah. I don't <laughs> believe in that intuitive, but you know, <laughs> that's what gets people in trouble. Um, cause I intuitively want two pizzas, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just the thing with, um, with nutrition and tracking, uh, it, it's important to track just like you track how many miles you're putting in, how much weight you're lifting, uh, whatever it is that you're tracking, there's numbers involved in just about everything, but it's important to track, you know, calories, protein. Do you mainly focus on those two and then interchange uh, carbs and fats? Do you focus on all the macros? What's kind of your approach to nutrition when you talk to people? Um, so nutrition is the most important. So there's actually four components to nutrition. We have your protein, which is building more muscle tissue. Um, we have carbs and fats. Um, Carbs are what give your body energy. Fats are also a cell volumizer, which also can turn into energy also. But then also we have water. So those four components are really what make the body run. Um, With nutrition, I look at what does your training consist of first? Um, The more weight training you do, the more damage you're causing to the muscle through uh, an exertion, a push. So the more protein you're going to have. The more cardiovascular training you do, that's where the more of the carbohydrates and the fats come in. It just depends on what your training is. Your nutrition needs to be backing that. So if you'd be doing a lot of, uh, when I was doing a lot of running and endurance training, I really wasn't worried about the muscle tissue. I lost 20 pounds of muscle in two years because I burnt the muscle up. I mean, you don't really burn the muscle up, just the volume of the muscle shrinks. The muscle looks like rope. So you're just shrinking the volume. But if you're doing endurance training, you don't want to be packing around a lot of muscle. I mean, it sort of comes into what are you training for? So if you're going on a big hunt, you want to make your body somewhat lean, but you really want to work on your cardiovascular training so that you're not gassed. So it's training for what your specific goal is. So right yeah. now I'm trying to get ready for a bodybuilding show. So I don't want to lose any muscle. So my protein source, I'm eating over 400 grams of protein a day because I wow. can't lose any muscle. A uh, half of that's from um, supplementation because mm-hmm. supplementation fills in the gaps. Supplements are designed yeah. for athletes. So I'm a huge believer in supplementation because you're not going to get the nutritional sounds from just solid food. And that's where supplements come in. You don't want to eat 400 grams of protein and steak and chicken? Come you on. You can't. You can't do that digestion. And so it comes down to digestion. It comes down to finding the right foods that react best for your body at mm. your age. So with supplementation, I can implement 200 grams of protein through a liquid base, through, mm-hmm. uh, and it's easy for my body to absorb. So it comes down to absorption. You know, How does your body function? Uh, how does it work with certain carbohydrates? And that's why it can't be designed for everybody because your digestive system is different than mine. We got to find the 20 foods that react best for your body and Mm. then run those foods and then adjust them for your age. 
Yep. So I, I, I just sort of have a concept of energy and building blocks. So if you're doing a lot of cardio training, you got to have a lot of energy. If you're not doing very much, you can restrict out how much energy you have. So it's sort of geared to what is your goals. and But that's where it goes back to the hybrid athlete. Mm-hmm. If you are a 30% body fat, I'm not going to be trying to bulk you up. I'm going to be trying to strip away that body fat over a slow, methodical period of time. It's not extremes. If you ever try mm-hmm. to starve yourself, do the fasting for 12 hours and try to work out after 12 hours of not eating, see how your performance, see what your heart does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your heart's going to spike and it's not going to be able to perform because you have no fuel for your heart. So, I mean, you got to use some common sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then use some of this technology to really back what you're saying. And I don't yeah. guess anymore. I, I really use the fitness trackers. I use a DEXA scan to monitor my uh, my muscle and my body fat. It's the most accurate way. Um, and I don't go off a of feeling. I go off mm. of what my performance is. I like it. No, that's awesome. And that that's cool that you tailor it that way as well. So if, uh, you know, with that, with that being said, um, where do you still take on clients or you, you said you're more of a consultation? I'm always here to help brother. I mean, it really comes down to if you're struggling, if you need a little guidance or somebody to bounce ideas off of, that's Mm. where I sort of think my direction is. I mean, um, the one-on-ones, the personal training, it's great, but really people need some, um, some coaching. They need some yep. guidance, and, and that's where I really sort of – I work with people all around the world on some structuring and guidance, and that's okay. really what it comes down to. If I can help you just get 5 to 7% better but actually show you that you're improving, then I'm doing my service. Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. So with, with that, uh, where, I guess, first off, what do you want to leave with people? Uh, maybe something we haven't brought up, something that you'd like to, to say, um, here to wrap it up. Well, I just want to say, I love you. I care about you and I want to help you on your fitness journey. Um, I don't know it all, but I do have a good foundation and I've learned from a lot of mistakes and I've worked with all athletes from quadriplegics to uh, extreme professional athletes. So, I mean, I can work with somebody in the spectrum. So I care, let's work. That's sort of like what my thing is. Uh, I really want to be able to share my passion and give guidance and, uh, help as many people as I can. And just like this podcast, I mean, this is where hopefully, uh, this might spark somebody's interest is like, man, maybe I should look a little bit more into my health. Maybe I should look a little bit more. And I just want to be a reference guide for people, give them some direction. And it's not extremes. It's finding mm-hmm. a balance. Finding a balance in your life that's obtainable. I've been doing this for freaking my whole entire life, and I'm consistent. And that's where consistency will get you there. Same thing with Cam. He's consistent. And if you really want to build that, that top level, you got to be consistent over a duration of time. It's not yep. push and go, push and go. you got to be consistent. 
I love that. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And where could people find you then if they're looking to, to reach out or want to talk to you a little bit more about training and fitness, nutrition, where, where can people find you? Um, you can go to uh, my website, outlawstrength.net, or look me up on Instagram, um, outlawstrength, and uh, you know where I am. I mean, if you guys, you'll find me. Just uh, come find me, send me a message, and let's talk. I would love Perfect. to help anybody, any of your listeners, any of your followers, any of your friends. I mean, I, I, I love, I love this. I love this profession. I love helping people. And God gave me a passion. God gave me a drive. And I want to make a purpose. I want to make an impact. And through friends and families, and that's that's why I want. That's my whole mission. Perfect. No, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate your time today. Eric, it's been awesome uh, hearing your perspective on fitness and you know being a police officer and and talking about hunting a little bit as well. But I really appreciate it and uh, and definitely your time. So anyone out there listening, I'm going to leave the links down below where you can find Eric if you want to reach out to Eric or if you need help with anything, uh, getting ready for hunts. Maybe I mean it's a little too late at this point uh, to get ready for hunts, but if you're looking to looking into 2024, 2025, uh, you want to start cutting some weight or whatever it may be. Eric's your guy. He knows what he's talking about. He lives the life. He loves it. He's passionate about it. If you haven't gotten that through this conversation, uh, then I don't know what you've been listening to, but <laughs> thanks so much, Eric. I, I appreciate your time. And with that being said, guys, as I always say, get out of your life and love it. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode here with Eric McCormack. Again, Eric is just an outstanding individual, guys. He wants you to get better. He wants to be better. He lives through example and just simply wants to see everyone get to their full potential. So if you're looking for anything from Eric, Outlaw Strength, I'm going to leave the links down below so you can definitely go check out what Eric has to offer. Really appreciate, again, you guys tuning in. Leave a review, subscribe, and follow the podcast. And share it with someone else. As you post and tag on Instagram, I also really appreciate that too, guys. Thank you again so much for your support. And if you have or are in the market for any kind of gear for the outdoors, check out the links down below. Also, come join us over at First Form Outdoors and Redbeard's Fit Crew over on Facebook. Love to have you over there. Love to have you in the crew. And just a great group of individuals that you too can be a part of. So... That being said, guys, have an outstanding weekend, and of course, get out, live your life.